Three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always, in the blockhouse with Kelly. And this time we are actually just two people. Goodbye to Kendra. Oh, yeah. Goodbye to our, our, our guest host from last week. Never to be heard from again. <laughs> She's probably somewhere riding off to the moon as we speak. So yes. uh, it was very fun last week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we had our first guest and it was super fun. Yeah. And now we're here. Uh, at the end of last week, we picked a new song and that's what we're here today to do but kelly before we talk about the song how's it going it's fine great great wonderful Perfect. these are all whoa there's a lot <laughs> lot going on here uh if you didn't know uh, because i haven't said it this is a bob dylan podcast i've been listening to bob dylan for most of my life and kelly's been listening to roughly the same number of songs as the object number in the new general catalog for a single star in the constellation andromeda oh. wouldn't it have been better if we did episode 82 last week yeah and this week, we listen to House of the Rising Sun off of Bob Dylan's first album titled Bob Dylan. There is a house down in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And it's been the ruin of many poor girls. And me, oh, God, I'm a one. All right, so that's House of the Rising Sun. Kelly, we spent an entire week, 10 days, whatever we're at at this point, listening to Bob Dylan. How was your week with this song? I'm sure you've heard it before. Mm -hmm. uh, we've all sort of, I think, one way or the other have heard this, but I don't know if you've ever heard this version. No, for sure not. Uh, and it made me realize how repetitive the song is. Like, you don't really notice it because the song is kind of a narrative, which like keeps you interested. It's really lyrically, I think, what drives it. And when the animals do it, they clearly have, like, they add some stuff in it to make it interesting. But, True. Uh, yeah, it's like fucking four chords. And it's real simple. The whole thing. And I was really surprised. But, yeah, it's good. I, I liked hearing this version of it. Um, it's just different than anything else. Because yeah. I, I, I have not sought out various House of the Rising Sun covers, so... It was fun to listen yeah, to. Yeah, it's kind of like Stagger Lee, you know. You, there's such a history behind it, <laughs> although I think Stagger has a much more interesting history. Because uh, this one, we don't really know much about the song itself, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but yeah, I feel the same way. I think it all kind of comes down to who's singing it and mm -hmm. how, what is your vision for the song? Because it's so simple. It's, what do you want to say? And we have a lot of really cool versions on our playlist. So we'll get to those in a moment. But just for a little bit of context, I mean, this is on Bob Dylan's very first record. This was recorded on uh, November 20th and the 22nd of 1961. We we talked on our uh, Patreon-only um, obituary for February podcast, Izzy Young, the um, owner of the Folklore Center and right, first yeah. promoter of Bob Dylan's um, you know, live concerts and stuff. Uh, he just passed away. And uh, the first time he played this live was actually at that Carnegie Hall show on November 4th, November 4th, 1961. So, um, but then he went to the studio a week later, uh, cut down these tracks for the record in three takes. Dylan has only played this song eight times total in his career. Oh. Um, and I think probably because the animal sort of took it and it was like, well, 
you know, can't do that shit anymore. Uh, he played it for the first time uh, at the Purple Onion in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1960. Uh, he played it in 1963 on even Mac McKenzie's home in, in New York. also played it during the true confessions tour uh with uh tom petty in 1986 so oh, he wow. went a good 23 years before playing it again and then mm. he played it with tom petty after the grateful dead during those joint shows in 1987 one time and then he played it in the year 2000 13 years later he played it uh in, in at the gorge amphitheater oh, no just down uh, in, in george washington Get it, George Washington. Yeah. And then the last time he ever played it was in Newcastle, England, which is where the animals are from, in the year 2007. So I think that was probably just a nod to them. He's never played it since. So this could very well be the final time we, no one will maybe hear him ever sing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song itself, though, has been lauded far and wide. It's uh, the 122nd best song ever, greatest rock and roll songs of all time uh, on the Rolling Stones list. Uh, it's in the 500 songs that shape rock and roll from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Specifically the Animals version or just the song? song. I think it's just the song in general. I think probably for Rolling Stone, it's probably the Animals version. Um, But you're kind of, when you talk about that, you're kind of talking about the whole song, sort of. Sort of. Um, The RIAA, famously, what is that again? The Recording Industry the people that are mad when the you people music. The, yeah <laughs> back in remember napster stuff yeah. yeah uh so the riaa ranked it as the number uh number 240 on their list of the songs of the century in 1999 it received a grammy hall of fame award i don't know who would accept that because no one knows who wrote it and they would be long dead uh and it's uh become a staple of oldie and classic rock radio i mean everybody's done this um in 2005 channel five i didn't know there was a channel five yeah, huh? Channel Five is the one that um, brought the Spice Girls to oh, the world. They're the oh, like right. the shitty channel. <laughs> so they this was the fourth favorite song of all time in Britain on Channel Five in two thousand five. So I don't know if people have changed their tune since then. Yeah, from what I understand, it's like the Spike TV. Oh, or it used to be Spike TV because <laughs> they don't exist anymore either. Yeah, they don't. It's now the Paramount oh. Network. Oh, didn't they change for a minute to be like Esquire? Network or Maybe, something. but yeah, I don't know if that still exists. Anyway. Everything's so, dead. Yeah, they're the that of England from my what I can glean. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that's the that's the Bob Dylan's history with the song, a little bit of laud of, of how famous this song is, and I'm sure you are, are already kinda know that. But what is the House of the Rising Sun, Kelly? Yeah, it I didn't realize there was so ambiguity to it because I just always assumed it was a place. A, like a a brothel. Right. That's um, what I thought too. So hearing Bob's version was really interesting because it was the first time I've ever heard it sung from, uh, I didn't know it was a female perspective. Like, right. And I mean, like, we don't know the history of whomever has written the song is lost through the sands of time. Yes. Like, there's a uh, thinking that it, it was in the 16th century that it was a broadside ballad, which I learned what those are, which is pretty nice. cool. Because I remember you said broadside magazine broadside was a magazine. thing. In the 1960s, yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, I guess they meant it was from that. I was like, oh, no, they mean a broadside ballad. Yes. Which is like basically in Europe in the 16th century, um, it was really cheap to make one piece of paper compared to making like a a book. Obviously, that makes sense. That's what a broadside is. Yeah. So it's just like one big sheet of paper. So people would 
basically write little poems or stories on it and sell them in the streets. Like there are people that just did that. They just like were little broadside hawkers. That's awesome. And then that turned into chat books. Those became more popular. So you basically would take your broadside and fold it into little pieces. So it was like the first fucking zines. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So rad. And there's so cool. somebody in England that has this amazing collection of them. I was like, what a fucking cool little piece because they were really cheap entertainment, right? People can't afford books because no. they're too expensive. It's too hard to produce and all that stuff. So you have these little broadside guys. Like that's your entertainment. Like, oh, cool. I'll buy a song for a penny. Amazing. Entertain myself for an hour, I yeah. guess. So this, it was thought that this was uh, the unfortunate rake. Uh, like this is a, that was a, a broadside ballad in the 16th century. Right. That this was maybe a, a huge, very long transformation. Like obviously crossing the Atlantic and right. then changing into the, like these different things. Like, you know, obviously I'm sure all the folk music that was happening right around the end of the um, 19th century, that yeah. kind of stuff influenced it but i guess it wasn't first published until 1925 by a guy named robert winslow gordon yeah um, but I, I what think... is the book called it's a uh, uh, old songs uh it's well it's in adventure magazine mm -hmm. uh but the, the under the column old songs that men have sung i know <laughs> <laughs> you know alan lomax was the first one our, our boy alan mm -hmm. lomax recorded this way back in the day uh the first two hear it record it you know uh on a machine that records uh but people have been singing this before world war one it's believed i mean obviously way back when but like a version of this right uh going back to like miners in 1905 um i'm sure we read the same source on that but like yeah i mean it's like a super pre-war like pre-world war one song which is pretty interesting and yeah it wasn't until the 1920s or so that it took on like the the lyrics that we sort of in the know structure, today. yeah, because isn't there also some uh, conflating of? There's a couple other songs named similarly, like the mm. Rising Sun Blues, which is not the same song. No, and that was the yeah, Lead Belly sort of. It's like yeah, it's kind of going back to even Sagar Lee, where you have the Ma Rainey version. That's like, ooh, I see the shades of it, but like, oh, it's very different, right? And I think that's a lot of it too. I mean, and so Al Lomax, I mean, he he credited it to. Um, the people in 1937 years after that he went to go and record it and he he, he credited it to george georgia turner 16 year old daughter of a local miner mm -hmm. they called it the rising sun blues um and he said yeah i mean the melody is from time immemorial but the right. lyrics are from right here or at least you know not this moment per se but like here in this hamlet right here this local local miner taught his daughter this song or whatever the case right. may be and that's pretty wild i mean that's very local but the first recording was in the 1920s though by a guy named texas alexander my woman got something just like the rising sun my woman got something like so I think Texas Alexander was the first one to do it, but then it was the Clarence Tom Ashley, who's like a very famous like collector of these sort of sort of ballads. Um, they did that in 1933, and then of course Lomax listened to the the farmers in Kentucky, um, and then credited it to them. And then of course after that it was Lead Belly, Josh White, Woody Guthrie, and we're on yeah. at that point. So. I was really uh, kind of bummed out to find out that, I mean, because we can't figure out the actual origins of it, and I don't want to get into like, a, well, this was technically first, whatever thing, but I think that this song is important as a perspective from a woman. Yeah. And I'm really glad that like Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan and Dave and Rock, they kept that, mm -hmm. like, because we're not fucking assholes and we can sing 
from the perspective of a woman if we want like we can say that i'm a girl and be okay when we're singing i wonder why the animals changed it and i mean that's the most indelible one i think it's mainly for the type of music it's not the i mean it could have been the other version and it would have been as as successful but it's weird that they i don't know i wonder what they're i mean i hope it's not just some masculine fucking insecure bullshit but that's it's probably not it's probably like it's probably taking a song that's been done a million times it's kind of a, all jay right oh, yeah. i mean that wow. version we'll talk to in a bit great version it's very different mm-hmm. it doesn't go that deep but it and it doesn't change perspective but it could yeah. i mean lots of songs like that do that yeah. i mean stagger lee we you know we had a song at the very end of our stagger lee that was like taking the character and like putting them in different spots right. now stagger lee is a real person with a real paper trail and is more interesting than whatever's kind of going on here because they're not real people. We don't know that much about them. So there's so many gambler songs. So sure. it's like just becoming the gambler is not interesting because there's so many of them. But to become Staggerly or to become Billy Lyons, those are cool. That's interesting. Become the woman, you know, become Delilah or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But here, I don't think the Animals version adds anything except for musically, right. which is agreed the best version i think and you're taking away the agency of her story completely like she doesn't oh, yeah. get a name no. she doesn't get to be named the least you can do is at least tell her story from her perspective True. and they're like nah fuck that <laughs> yeah we don't need any warnings for we just need warnings about the guy don't gamble people right yeah so i mean so all those older versions like i said josh white um who popularized really like the version that we know of um Woody Guthrie, of course, uh, was uh, all Jay would later say that that was the one they were covering. Uh, Roy Acuff, Pete Seeger, uh, Pete Seeger and the Weavers did a version of this. Andy Griffith from the Andy Griffith show. Even he got in on the action. Peter, Paul and Mary, Joan Baez, Tracy Chapman. Oh, yeah. I mean, tons of versions. Uh, Some of them are on our playlist. But of course, what we're all here for, we're here for that. Dave Van Ronk, Bob Dylan, Animals, Love Triangle. Well, I've got a, a an immediate thing to say about the Josh White thing. Oh, so please, that was please. 42, the recording that we listened to, at least on the playlist. Yeah. Uh, Dave Van Rock 100% took that. That yeah. is the arrangement. That is the vibe that Dave Van Rock took. So yeah. I understand you want to get precious about your version. I understand that like maybe you have some feelings about Bob Dylan recording it the week before that you did, whatever. But like, I, I think that Josh White version is my favorite, maybe, other than maybe Dolly Parton's just because it's so fun. But uh well, the Josh White is always, he is just so unsung. And every time I stumble across him, I'm like, God damn, why don't we talk about this guy the way we talk about, you know, the lead bellies and shit mm-hmm. of the world? Like, he just, is it's incredible. Go tell my baby sister, don't do what I That house in New Orleans, they call the rising sun. He does something so amazing with the guitar and the timbre of his voice. It's like there's a cello in there somehow. Mm-hmm. It's just like this beautiful, and it's dark. It's like the spookiest, sure. uh, most unsettling version of all of them. And I just think it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. So. Well, it wasn't just Dave Van Ronk that was probably into it because he he says exactly where he found it, and it was not Josh White. But it's it's like the same. Well, sure, but I'm not so, as good, right? Well, he's on the record of saying, I'll just quote it out. Yeah. Uh, Dave Van Ronk said, "Quote: I had learned it sometime in the 1950s from a recording by Hallie Wood, the Texas singer and collector, who probably heard it from 
Josh White, uh, who had got it from Alan Lomax. Oh, let's see. Who had got it from the Alan Lomax field recording uh, by a Kentucky woman named Georgia Turner. I put a different spin on it by altering the chords and using the bass line that descended in half steps, a common enough progression in jazz, but unusual among folk singers. By the early 1960s, the song had become one of my signature pieces, and I could hardly get off the stage without doing it. Then, one evening in 1962, I was sitting at my usual table in the back of Kettle of Fish, and Dylan came slouching in. He had been up at Columbia Records with John Hammond doing his first album. He was being very mysterioso about the whole thing, and no, sorry, and nobody I knew had been to any of the sessions except Sue's, his lady. I pumped him for information, but he was vague. Everything was going fine, and, hey, would it be okay for me to record your arrangement of House of the Rising Sun? Oh, shit. Geez, Bobby, I'm going to do that for my next album in a few weeks. Can't you just do it for your next album? A long pause. Uh-oh. I did not like the sound of that. <laughs> what do you mean, uh-oh? Well, he said sheepishly, I've already recorded it. Yep. So that's the... And Bob Dylan would later say, uh, in Chronicles or somewhere, I think, well, actually, this quote is from Robert Shelton, so talking about it, he said, I always knew this song, but I never really knew it until Dave Van Ronk sang it. Um, and so Dave had been doing this forever. And I think that was like that tradition that just sort of bites you in the ass. And I think it's probably more famous now that story because of the animals. Like, I, it, like this was not popular for Dylan. It oh, was, yeah, it was okay. the animals that made it incredibly popular. And then it was sense. people at that point, um, loving Bob Dylan because this was a couple of years later, 64. Right. So Dylan was already a, a superstar from his, you know, two or three records at that point that were already out. So it's like people had already revisited that first record. And obviously and they're like, oh, you s- the animal stole this from Bob Dylan. From Bob Dylan. And then everyone, the purists are like, no. You stole it from, from David And David Rock's like, no, I stole it from the ether. I stole it from the ether. I pro- I'll tell you. You know, it's like Stagger Lee. Like, right. this is not my, this is not my shit. Right. Even though, like, his version was my favorite. It's not my song. Uh, so I appreciate that from Dave Van Ronk. But in terms of, like, stealing, it just kind of sucks. It sucks that this was such a big song. But I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't think Dave Van Rock's version was going to make him a butt ton of money. Nah. And and neither was Bob Dylan's. Like the song is popular because of the animals. Yes. And we go back and we listen to these and we probably appreciate them more. But we would not. I don't think we'd be talking about them. I do uh, want to say that I much prefer Bob Dylan's version to David Wrong's version. He just yes. really stretched it out in a not great way. He made like I understand what he was going for, and his voice is beautiful. But he was like going for a vulnerability that at times feels forced because it's elongated. Like you're really sucking out the power by yeah. doing that. I think. Uh, and I like where Bob Dylan's voice goes. Like, obviously, the dude from The Animals goes fucking nuts. But um, I, I and I like the way he says "chew." Like he's from oh, Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think he gets there. Like you know, he gets pretty screamy towards the end. I and... feel like Dave Van Ronk is like, I can't do that version. Like I, I gotta yeah. make up some other shit. Maybe do this stupid song. You know, what if I slow it down to me? What do I slow it? They call the rising sun It's been the ruin Everyone else is doing two-minute versions. I'm going to push mine to six. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the ticket. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's very beautiful, and he's a great singer and a great guitarist, but man, what a drag. What yeah. a drag when you just listen to the animals and Dylan. You know, mm-hmm. the, I mean, the order of our playlist does not lend to following that up 
unfortunately. So, because I mean, they came out the same year as the animals. So it's like, on, if you had a playlist where you heard Dylan and then you heard this, you might be a little more forgiving. But if you hear the animals and then you got to listen to this, yeah, no, thank you. The animals, though, that's that's interesting. We haven't really talked about the animals itself. Um, Michael Michael Gray in the um, Bob Dylan Encyclopedia says, quote, House of the Rising Sun captured the virtues of a group's live act on record, something that had eluded many of the best British beat groups of the day and was an inspired fusion of traditional folk words and rock. Some people um, like um, Ralph, Mc, Ralph McLean for the BBC uh, said that this was the first folk rock tune. This invented the genre, um, which goes against people saying that the birds invented folk rock with um their cover of uh, mr tambourine man um but they but this one was before and i think you could make the case it was also interesting because it was longer not as long as dave van ronks but uh this was uh before the era of like rolling stone you know pushing six minutes for a single this was four four minutes uh the long one is four right, and a half minutes it's two something it's right it's the, two for yeah. it for the one that like made it to you know the radio edit or whatever right. but like People wanted to play the full version, and it was four and a half minutes long, and that was way longer than any single that wasn't chopped up to pieces, uh, which is really interesting. It also reached number one in the U.S. and Britain, which was the first song since 1962 that wasn't written by Lennon and McCartney to yeah. reach both of those, uh, which is wild. And on the back of the animal's success, they got to tour and actually met Bob Dylan. Well, hey. And uh, John Steele in his book, Chasing the Rising Sun, which is the history of the song, um, Bob Dylan told him that when he first heard the animal's version, he jumped out of his car and he banged on the bonnet. Uh, and it's and that is what inspired him to go electric. <laughs> you think that's true? I mean, I I don't know. I'm. It's a nice story. I think the sentiment is probably there. He's like, oh, fuck, that's great. I know. What did I do? That? What did I do? That? Well, and also like, I can hear shades. Now I get what Dave Van Rock felt. Yeah. And Dave Van Rock said that the, that the animals version, like Dylan's version before, was based on his arrangement. So uh, he, he, I don't know. Dave Van Rock's not bullshitting anybody. He's not like... He's saying they fucking stole it. Yeah. But I like that he's also like, I, I didn't invent it out of thin air either. I feel like it's kind of like playful jest, which is kind of nice. Oh, so. yeah. I, I mean, like, you can't hold that shit forever, right? Like, yeah, they took the song, man, and it just like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> organ i think was the, the combination of the lead singer's voice i'm sorry i don't know his name uh and that organ is really i mean obviously they're electric instruments so it's going to sound different but i think that's what sets it off honestly like in the way that he he doesn't do a strum either he's he's picking each of the the strings yeah. um so that makes it sound different too clearly I know, it's nice. but oh, yeah that's Really, and it's it's so ubiquitous to right. our lives. Like nobody alive doesn't know that song. No, and you've seen even if you don't, if you're not like a music person, you don't listen to music somehow. Somehow, and why are you listening to this podcast? You've probably seen a movie or a TV show with this fucking song in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't yeah, get away right? from it. Exactly. So, yeah, and so I mean, this wasn't the end of the song. I mean, there's, I think it's the apex of the song. I don't know if it'll ever be topped because I think people are always going to use this as 
This is the standard. The starting this point. Is, yeah. Although I will say Alt-J has really stepped the bar up, which is interesting, but we'll get there in a minute. So the next big one that was huge across the world was a band called Frigid Pink that I'd never heard of before. Um, they recorded this just in their downtime on the record, and they sent it off as a B-side uh, just to a single. And the guy phoned up the whoever and was just like, listen, fuck your single. Like, this is great. I don't know what's so great about it. It's It's good, but it's not like... I don't understand. It's just a psychedelic why. version. Um, yeah, which I is cool, think his but... voice is not as powerful no. um, as the animals guy, but he was clearly trying to to do that in spots. The the one thing I will say um, is that the distortion on the guitar like is, is so crunchy, mm, crispy, and they is. do get the psychedelic vibe that it is, but it's not different enough. No. So, I mean, and it's cool because it's like you know we got a nice little sixty four snapshot right at the the height of the British invasion and Beatlemania, and like that's really cool. And then Frigid Pink is like the end of this in nineteen seventy, so it's like we've kind of like digested the sixties and now we're like, this is what we're doing now that we still have the psychedelic vibes, but we can kind of maybe do something different. And it was popular enough. Uh, Cause you weren't doing something like weird and avant-garde, like psychedelic culture had become mainstream culture sure. at that point. So it's like, you could make a record like this with a weird sound and it's going to sell. And apparently that's, that's unique about this version is that it was in top 10 across so many places it was the most Which you wouldn't think probably would one of the most successful i think more maybe possibly more successful in the short term than even the animals um austria belgium canada denmark greece norway switzerland etc etc france italy mm. all in the top uh top 10 for most of them if not like number 14 number 39 that kind of stuff right. uh then it wasn't for another decade later that we got another high profile version from your girl dolly parton song i love it oh, i man. love it man. once those 80s things start i'm just oh, yeah. like oh no I'm i mean scared. it's I'm a scared. it's a crossover 80 synth banger and you gotta just that like country synth hit yes <laughs> <laughs> classic classic what a genre um i so yeah this is we kind of brought it up just for a second like what is the house of the rising sun yeah um so she took all the ambiguity out of it right this is clearly about a brothel this is clearly about a sex worker right. uh, and the rising sun is like this is the place that my whole this is just my life now um and it you know led to her ruin either emotionally or physically both something yeah I mean, it's mysterious that's what's scary about so it. in all the other versions i mean clearly obviously like when you make turn it into a male character but even like that would be rad if they're like no it's a male character he's still a prostitute <laughs> <It's true. laughs> i mean that's true <laughs> that, that would have there's your subversion people hey, there you go that's you inside right. your head um so we like we have a characters when the, the male perspective they usually like you can still see it as a brothel and he's mm -hmm. like ruining himself by like just all the languishing gambling. in prostitutes and stuff. or a gambling house right. too which i guess it would be one of the same right they're probably, right, right. the house of ill repeat well that's why we don't know exactly sure. what this is some people see it as a gambling hall some as a prostitute some as a prison like yeah and then that's the other one the prison the thing ball too. and chain thing is always i love that line it's very you're like ooh. Yeah, but for like that can always be a metaphor for any of your vices, right? Exactly. Ball and chain, sure, literally, maybe prison. Yes. But I think that, you know, it could just usually be gambling or, or prostitution, drugs, whatever. Well, I, well, we'll get into that in a moment. I want to talk about the lyrics. Uh, but yeah, so Dolly Parton, you're saying she 
took out the ambiguity. Yeah, she's like, this is about a prostitute. Yeah. And I am the prostitute. And goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, quite blunt. Uh, and this was a hit. Number 14 in the U.S. Uh, I like country, it. Sorry. I mean, the synth is, it's hot. it does not age well, as uh, most synths are But I, do. um, I don't want it to. Be. I mean, like, yeah. I don't want it to be an acoustic song. I don't think it would be as good. Yeah. Like, that's what makes this unique. It's it's fucking weird. I like it a lot. And I didn't know Dolly Parton ever drifted into that territory. I yeah. don't know enough about Dolly Parton. So for me, I was very shocked at first. Uh, especially 81. I sometimes think like, you know, I feel like someone invented on January 1st, 1980. They were like, oh, let's do that fucking 80 sound. I've made the 80 sound on January 1st, 1980. I must you, get the word out. Phil Collins. Exactly. So <laughs> I feel like he couldn't get the word out in time to everyone until like 1983. And then everyone was using it. <laughs> so when I hear 81, I'm like, damn, Dolly Parton Cutting must have been edge. like second person told, uh, which was great. <laughs> hey, Dolly, l- listen, this is what we're doing in the 1980s. So, you hear this this sound? Random oh, tour stop, Phil no, Collins. No, no. Like, oh, hey, Dolly Parton. Listen, I got to let you in on this thing. It's going to be the new thing. <laughs> you don't want to be left behind, girl. Uh, we get a couple of international versions, which are weird because they're very uncreative they are exactly the animal version yes but the same cadences language. but in a different language yeah. gene holiday sorry johnny Ho- johnny halliday jesus uh Jan- johnny halliday a french singer uh very lovely i liked it a lot yeah, but it was his voice is beautiful literally the song and uh low speakers out of uh, columbia I did Same like thing. that they made the organ a little more circusy. That was fun, but that's about the only difference. Yeah, the, the musical stuff is just a tad different, mm-hmm. but literally, I mean, they just sing it. Yep, straight. Apparently, that was like kind of and always has been a thing to cover. Like, just there's these huge pop stars in other countries that they their bread and butter is just is making covering. American, yeah, covering American songs in yeah. other native languages. Which it's, I mean, and sure. true, and like, and if you've got a like a slower song like this where you're not trying to jam a lot of words, you can just kind of. Even if the language itself doesn't sync up, you can still fit it. You in, can yeah. still fit it in very easily, yeah. and I feel like this one is so simple that nobody had to really you got try. Nothing but time. Right, you didn't have to like change, uh, you know, because you want to get the same uh, like emotional resonance, but you have to change the lyric, you know, because it doesn't fit in your language. Mm-hmm. None of this, because it's so simple. I think that's why these are just like straight covers, yeah. which is very unsatisfying, I will say. But Five Finger Death Punch from 2014's The Wrong Side. Of heaven and the righteous side of hell, volume dose. They're so clever. They are. I thought this was a when they said Sin City, and I looked at the album cover. It's like, oh, this is on the Sin City soundtrack. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I was like, oh, that's that's fun. That's clever. Do all, and I was like, do all the songs on the Sin City soundtrack <laughs> just replace a place with Sin City? And I was like, that would be amazing. This whole Sin City world, where you know, Viva Sin City. You know, like. Every song is the song, but with Sin City in it. That like, would be the most on the nose of Viva Sin City. It's already lost me. It's already lost me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clearly the first thing I thought of. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's another good, uh, well, um, not Empire State of Mind because that doesn't work, but like New York, New York, Sin City, yeah. Sin City, you know? like. So I thought that's what it was. It was not that, which makes me sadder. Yeah. And this was um, – Again, I you you cannot really fuck this song up. I don't think it was terrible, but it was not good. Yeah, well, twice in my life I've been forced to listen to Five Finger Death yeah. Punch. Once was opening for Rob Zombie, and now you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you felt like the person in the House of the Rising Sun. The ball and chain were put on. You had no way out. Exactly. You had to listen to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just really inoffensive. 
That's all. I forget and, this music exists. Yeah, and well, it was like, on Guitar oh, Hero. Yeah. So, I mean, this version was on Guitar Hero. So this is what people are being introduced to as the next version of no! House of the Rising Sun. Some <laughs> kid so is bleak. playing this on Guitar Hero. Ugh. Maybe in that world, wherever that bleakness leads us to is yeah. where Alt-J is writing their version yeah, in the future. I think they take it in even a worse direction of like, this song was cool and about a woman, and now we're like, oh, it's so hard to be a man who sings yeah. in this world. <laughs> All right, let's get to the best version of this, I think, of all of them, is all Jay's version. And it's been the ruin of many And Lord, my father's one. My mother, she's a tailor. She do end the playlist with a great version of the song off of Alt J's newest album, which is crazy. I remember listening to this when Relaxer came out in 2017 yeah. and I was like, Oh, I know this song from Bob Dylan. And it's like, Oh, it's really cool. But I didn't really even catch that. There's a new chorus. There's a new, um, a new verse too. Mm-hmm. And going back to listen to this, I, I love this. I love that there are bands that are taking it and again, making it their own. It's like Stagger Lee. I love that Stagger Lee still lives and will continue to live. Yeah, I actually really enjoy Alt J a lot. I think the dude's voice is really unique, and mm-hmm. I just I'm into like kind of synthy airy just very nice. music. Uh, and I think that's just what a good cover should, and it just blows the song up and reputs it back together in a different, completely different way. Mm-hmm. And it's almost without the exception of the very iconic lyrics, it's almost unrecognizable because it the is. chord progressions and everything it's just totally different. You're using different anim- uh, instruments completely. It opens with like either like a pianet or like a weird, almost an ocarina sound. Like it's, mm. but it's definitely like synthesized. It's not the actual instrument. Sure. So just that, like starting with that. And I haven't even listened to Relaxer. Oh, um, wow. Which is sad because I like. I don't know. Yeah. It's one, and one of those bands. Like after their second album came off, I was like, oh yeah, I do like them. And then you forget, and immediately. You forget immediately. But did yeah. you see the cover of Relaxer? It looks like a screenshot from Super Hot. Oh, from what? Super Hot. I don't know. What that video game? That I played oh, oh, God. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I With all the polygons? Yeah, I remember looking at that. I'm like, <laughs> what? what's going on here? Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's weird because you can't get away from the iconic opening line. And I think that's the really the only thing that's like carrying it together except for like some more lyrics that they added. So not only do they have that chorus, it's happy, 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 which is like really, I love how they just do that, you know, fun day, day, mm-hmm. you know, like. What is even happening? Uh, but they added the, the lyrics, uh, like a bird flying over forest fire, my father feels the heat beneath his wings, and in debt he leaves for another town where he gambles and drunk he still drinks. So that's a little bit different. And then my mother hides from pleasure and thinks of father on her knees, lifted in the arms of God away from New Orleans. So still kind of in the world of House of the Rising Sun, but just a different... It's like a post-apocalyptic version where everything's already exploded and we're just like living in the ashes. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I think it's a pretty straightforward song. I, I like that it is a little bit of a narrative, but yeah. it it does well with using metaphor at the same time. Like they're telling maybe 
well, I guess it is ambiguous what the highest of the rising sun is, but you get right. a, a clear picture of like, this is a place I don't want to go. And, you know, to use like the ball and chain thing yeah, uh, as a way to kind of illustrate those feelings, but then still having a clear like this, there's this place that I don't like. And let me tell you quickly about where I came from and why this is right happening now. I think it, it does a good job. So, I mean, in terms of the story, so you're, you're envisioning basically a person telling, uh, you know, a warning story to mm-hmm. someone, you know, don't, don't let Follow in my footsteps, be yeah. like me. My family is destroyed. My, well, there's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. The 1941 book by Alan Lomax after the, the original, you know, classic intro, the second verse that Bob Dylan omits uh, is if I had, if I had listened to what mama said, I'd be at home today being so young and foolish, poor boy, let a rambler lead me astray. Mm-hmm. So that introduces a stranger leading her astray, which I think makes it even creepier. Well, that's alluded to later. I think even in the, Bob's version, right? Where, it- yeah, because my my man was a gambler or whatever. My uh... so I was. I, I thought I figured that that's what. Um, oh, see, that's interesting that you would say that. So, yeah, when I when I read that second verse that is omitted, I didn't see, I didn't put together the sweetheart as a gambler. Oh. I just saw that as I. That's the next person I I was with. Oh, but what led sure. me here was this like strange man, the stranger, this person who's like, you know, predatorially. Well, yeah. Or just like, there's a whole nother world out here in Sin City. Follow me. You know, that kind of thing. So it's like, that's, she's not with him or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but like, that's how I got led. And if I listened to my mom, I wouldn't have, I would have known not to talk to strangers, (laughs) but in this case I didn't. So that was always like a scary little thing for me. Um, But yeah, no, sweetheart was a gambler down in New Orleans. Uh, And then basically, you know, gambler just wants a drink. He's got a suitcase and his trunk ready to go. We're going to do so many gambler songs that there's no worth getting into it. I mean, Bob, every folk singer had a fucking gambling song. So um, that's definitely going to happen. I like the phrase on a drunk. Yeah, that's cool. It's pretty great. Uh, When I got to the ball and chain part, though, I was thinking murder ballad. I was thinking ball and chain as in. Yeah, yeah. maybe this is. This is a where she's re- telling a story from prison, like you know, don't follow my footsteps because this is where I am right now. See, I almost come down on the side of she's telling somebody, whoever it is, who knows, uh, not to do this. But it, it's kind of like a do what I say, don't do what I do, or what does it say? Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do, because I'm telling you, don't go to New Orleans and become a prostitute, or don't get mixed up in this world. But I'm about to go. I'm going back though. I'm right. going back to New Orleans to wear the ball and chain. I feel like I'm going back right. to do some murdering, wow. and then I'm going to jail. Gotcha. Because I'm going to put right what was done wrong to me, or tell my baby sister not to do what I've done. I mean, maybe baby sister is down there, and she's going to go down there and fucking break her out. <laughs> maybe she's going yeah, down right. there and taking some shit down. Well, clearly, but she knows this is the end, one way or the other. Either yeah. I'm going to be a prisoner in this fucking hellhole, this rising sun, or I am going to be free. Yeah. Or not free, but I'm going to be, be I'm going to be arrested right? because <laughs> I'm going to murder everyone and stand there or, in blood or locked up in this mm. cycle of, of shitty abuse. And, exactly. and, and what's the difference for yeah. her? You know, it's so don't be like me. Yeah, I, I like there's no difference. I like the, the murder side of I don't think I know it do. is prison, but mm. I do always like the, the murder ballad. Yes. Uh, and I also like that there's a little bit of justice, right? Mm. This gambler character who is clearly not a good fucking person. Right. Probably tormented her on top of already working in a goddamn brothel. Right. Like, yeah, maybe or he got his. Or the stranger, man. you know? Maybe yeah, the stranger is the too. one. Because maybe the stranger's out there telling more girls to come, you know? And it's not really even that. It's more of, like, just the, the society itself that's pressuring these people to come down here because of their own poverty or their own right. miseducation or whatever it is. And it's like, I'm going to put an end to that. I'm going to go fucking kill them all. Yeah. I mean, because the next line is, yeah, I'm going down to New Orleans. My race is almost run. I'm going 
back to end my life down in the rising sun. That's awesome. Yeah. And just like, just taken as a sentence, I'm going to end my life down in the rising sun. Fucking cool. What a cool line. But I like the ambiguity of it because I, I'm a, I love it when we go down murder, Bob, mm-hmm. way too early for murder, Bob, but it's a dark song nonetheless. So I yeah, think well, I mean, there. it's, I, I like the murder angle because it feels more empowering Yeah, and I think it's fun that you took it that way too, because it just, to me, it's like resigning yourself. Like yeah, I'm never getting out. I, know. I am dying here. And that's very sad. <laughs> I know. The only reason I think it's not is because I'm going back to New Orleans. Like, why are you going back if, if you you're know. not there? Yeah. Like, you got out right. for the first time. And may- that's why you're telling the story. I feel like that's the whole impetus of the story. Like, if it weren't for me getting out, I wouldn't be able to tell you that yeah. here Don't I am. And now I'm going to go murder them real quick. So, like, <laughs> you got to keep telling my story because I'm going in the ball and chain or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to end my life in the rising sun. Like, either I'm going out in a ball and chain or I'm dying. Yeah. One way or the other, which I think is pretty pretty rad. I think there's like some anecdote somewhere where Dave Van Ronk was sitting with someone uh, who is some kind of collector of things from that area. And he saw a prison with the rising sun mm. over it. I think I read that he said that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that it doesn't, obviously doesn't change. He didn't really change the lyrics. So it, I don't know if that colored his perception or not. But yeah. that was just a curious little thing. But there's yeah. stuff. I mean, I have a picture on my booklet this week. That's just of a fucking bar in England called the Rising Sun. Oh, see, yeah. not because of the song. I think it was established way before that. It was just yeah. a pub with that name. So yeah. So it could be anything you want. Well, Lomax really. said that too. It's like this. This is either a brothel, and it was changed to New Orleans from white Southern, you know, performers who just changed it because we're in America now. So like we got it's got to be somewhere. Um, but yeah, they said plenty of bars were named the Rising Sun, but that doesn't really have the same vibe as, you know what is going on here. It's not really talking about a bar. It's definitely talking about something. So, I mean, obviously with all J, I mean, this song has a life of its own. I mean, I don't, again, I want to emphasize, I don't think it's as rich as Stagger Lee, but, and I think you have to change a lot of it to kind of make it work because these versions are so fucking good. It's hard not to just do a straight on, like take the lyrics as they are, especially the ones that aren't the animals, you know, taking how it's really supposed to be. That is some cool shit. I mean, you can probably add some cool stuff. You can do a Taj Mahal type version where you make some cool sound effects. And I don't know what the future holds for this song, but man, it's unlike Stagger Lee. I feel like that some of them got a little tedious. There are so many like a plus versions of this song that I, I don't, it probably turns people off from doing it because the originals are so iconic. Stagger Lee does not have the same stature Mm -hmm. as house of the rising sun, but there, but I think it's a richer song. There's more to do with it. Um, but I think that's what turns people off. That's why I think LJ doing it is so interesting. So I'm curious what the next band will be that will take this song to the next level, which I, which I guess leads us right into 2019. I mean, we're listening to that now. It's been, you know, 50 over 50 years since, you know, all of the, the main versions of these songs have been out. Does it still work? I think if we're talking about the animals and the Bob Dylan and like the, I don't know. I don't know if lyrically it holds a lot of water just because yeah. of how people live their lives. Now, not to say that there aren't people consume advice and, and, or, you know, sex workers that are having a hard fucking time or yeah. it, it's not a story. It, it's a story that, that lends itself well to not being in a specific time or place, Correct. but the the language used, I think maybe mm-hmm. uh, dates it. So I don't know how well Makes that more works. Traditional, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's a classic, you know, beware story. Yeah, true. So that, that, that's always going to resonate. Well, maybe that's the thing. And there's probably more versions that we're just ignorant about. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Stagger Lee. You take them out of a context, even just a little bit, and you introduce a different set of circumstances and a different way to tell it. This story is, is I mean, it's probably been told 
just not under the rising sun and not whatever. It's this theme is something that's definitely been explored before. Either the murderness of it, the vengefulness of it, or the resignation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the whole spectrum of music is is encapsulated right here. So I think that's what makes it super interesting. Uh, and I think, yeah, it definitely, definitely still works. It's been a road of many poor girls and me. Oh God, I'm a one. Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast? Occasionally. We also have a playlist, but it's um, it's pretty, it's all just the House of Rising Sun. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the playlist, all of our House of Rising Sun people. So uh, go to Spotify. Uh, you can find it right now if you're listening in real time at See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. Search for that. Save that. That's going to be updated every time we are about to release a new, a new song. Uh, so uh, if you're listening in real time, probably be another week or 10 days or whenever you're listening to this. Um, and if you are looking specifically for this, just search for House of the Rising Sun and you can find our playlist there. Um, I'm sure there's tons, just like Saggerly, I'm sure there's like a, a huge collection of this song somewhere oh, that, that yeah. someone's made. Um, so I, I recommend finding it if you're interested in the song and just seeing how it all changes. Um, and if you're looking for more information from us, you can find us everywhere. We're on Twitter, SOTWpod. We're on Instagram, SOTWpod. We are on SOTWpod on the World Wide Web, www. SOTWpod.com. Yeah, okay. For a second, I thought you were going to say something else, but then I know it was still SOTWpod. And and would you be shocked if I said Patreon.com slash SOTVV? You're right. Yes, double pod. W was taken. I believe there's a Starfuckers of the World pod that I really never heard of that. Never heard of it, but. Or Season of the Witch. Uh, we just, right. Donovan. Just <laughs> SeasonsOfTheWitch.com. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, SOTWpod at the end of Patreon.com. You can give us a dollar. We would really appreciate it because we are making a podcast for you. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. But we were also people in the world this week. This 10 day. We're also people in the world this week. Kelly, what else would you recommend to people out there in the world beyond House of the Rising Sun? I feel like I've listened or watched a lot of good TV and movies lately, but I like instantly forget them. So maybe how good can they be? I don't know. The new season wow. of Queer Eye was good. Uh, Shrill was good. Oh, yeah. um, it's only six episodes, 30 minutes long. It's on Hulu. Um, Jordan Peele's new movie, Us, was good. Oh, it's yeah. definitely more of a straightforward horror movie than Get Out. I would say Get Out. It's like a better movie movie. Like um, if all movies are being equal, we're not talking about genre. I think yeah. Get Out gets the edge, but it's a great horror movie. Um, and then musically, I a DJ and producer that I like a lot, Shlomo, um, he just came out with a new record last week, I think, called The End. Um, yeah, he's... I, I really got on board with him for his 2011 album, Bad Vibes. Uh, it's just a great, like, electronic... Uh, I don't even know how you would call it. He He's kind of... His thing is adding guitar, like a story guitar on top of his music. So it's a little bit of the, like the, the deaf have anything, but not at all like okay, hard like yeah. that. It's just like he adds, incorporates more non um, just straight up electric beats, electronic okay. beats into his stuff. And this one's really good. Is that um, shoegazy? Like where we're just like going on and droning type of thing? Or like, is that like metal riffs? Like harder? No, 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 not. Okay, no, yeah. so it's more just, yeah, just to add texture to it. But yeah, yeah, okay. he does like just rock riffs. Sometimes. Rock riffs, yeah. But uh, it's really good. I'm glad cool. that he's been making music this whole time, but I just kind of fell off after Bad Vibes. I was really into that album. There's for too a long much time. music, Ellie. There's I too know, much music in the, the world. Problem. There's no time. Yeah. Uh, and then we just saw Laura Jane Grace oh, right, and the Devouring right. Mothers. 
um, they had a band called Mercy Union and another band called Control Top open for them. And Control you Top. should go listen to no, Control Top. <laughs> so if they're good. still a band, they yeah, might have broken it, up our... They might have. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so Control Top, their, their new album just came out. Um, please go listen to it. It's fantastic. They, uh, they put on a fi- great show. It's just three people, and they're like... So we well, know what they're doing. It's such a weird... I don't know how to even describe it because it was it great. It could have been absolutely like catastrophic. <laughs> I mean, we don't really know. Uh, the lead singer in a, in a motion that I think was choreographed because yes. otherwise very dangerous. He, uh, in a in a fit of crazy sound, he just throws his guitar across the stage, right? It like goes over the drummer's head and it like crashes to the ground. And then we start the next song and then he's like... I got to go get my guitar. So he goes over and gets his guitar. Turns out fucking all the strings are broken. What do you expect? He yep. threw the guitar across the room. So then he's doing this cool sound stuff. He's holding his guitar by like the neck of it mm-hmm. and just like making noise. And it was fucking awesome. Yeah. And then we're about to go to the next song and then it's done. Yeah. Drummer's like, I saw the drummer and the guitars look at each other. He like shook his head a little bit and then they walked, they walked off. And then she, the lead singer is like, oh, it's bye. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. And then after the show, drummer, nowhere to be found. So yeah. I'm a little nervous about me too. The future of Control Top. So hopefully, as we record this, it's all been settled and they're America's number one sweetheart band. I Everyone so. loves them. But who knows? In this moment, I'm scared. Yeah, they um, they have like a, a riot girl vibe to them, which I yeah. was really into. It's cool to see that energy again. And uh, yeah, talking to the, the lead singer after the show, <laughs> I was like, her name's Allie, by the way. Oh, Allie. Um, I was like, yeah, so I thought you guys would play type A. And she was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then my bandmates walked off stage. I was like, oh, oh, how long have you guys been on tour? Because I was like, well, clearly this is, you guys have been in a band together too long. Yeah. Like, two weeks. I was <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, bye. Yeah. And he found the guitarist later and he was yes. fine too. So, so it seems like it's just the drummer or something yeah. happened, which is scary. Yeah, so but Mercy Union was really fun. We weren't not fans of the record, but they put on a hell of a live show. Great show. Still, we'll never listen to them again because I just not really for me. But did a Strike Me Anywhere cover, Strike Anywhere cover, and that's (laughs) and that was great. And then Lord and Grace is perfection, and we have obviously made uh, that statement before. And if you want to go back and listen to our Against Me podcast back from uh, would be September October of 2017, so really early in the show's run, uh, we went to go see Against Me and. uh, that was my ninth time seeing against me and they're as good as they've always been. And this was fun. This was real fun. It was a weird show. It was a weird, weird group of people. Some of them I don't think knew of against me was a band. Right. And didn't know what punk rock was. Right. And there was a lot of weird shushing Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, this is a punk show and I'm screaming my mind off. And there were moments, honestly, for like amputations and stuff. I don't know how many people were fucking singing along. And I was like, man, why are you guys I, being like this? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I guess they're all pretty new fans. And yeah. that's fine. But listen, listen to Against Me. Like yeah. they're, This is a punk rock show. Yeah, it was definitely not the same kind of vibe as when we saw Against oh, Me. it was me. so much fun. Yeah. 20, 14 was probably one of my favorite shows of all time. And then 20, 20, seeing them in 2017, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. 
And every time it just feels like that crowd is getting better and better and better. Yeah. So because it was, it's so inclusive and it's such a diverse crowd, but everyone's there for fucking punk rock. Correct. Because last time it was Dirty Nil was there and fucking bleached. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, oh, there's yeah. no fucking around with that, but there's also no fucking around with Control Top. What the hell? Like, right? How do you. Yeah. Anyways. But Doug Fur, fucking fantastic. So, so really glad. It's like, this is the closest I've ever been to Lord Jane Grace. Yeah. Hello. That's true. <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time for me. So that was fantastic. Uh, as for me, recommendations, I finished the, the final season of Catastrophe on Amazon Prime, uh, which was fucking amazing, if anybody has never seen that. Uh, it's uh, Rob, Rob Delaney and Shara, Sharon Hogan, uh, and they're great. They're <laughs> great. I recommended a little bit last week about, um, I recommended a little last week, a lot of Spute's record, Panorama. I said that I wasn't that into it. I am a fool. I'm a fool. <laughs> and it is definitely, I haven't listened to an album in a long time by a band that I fucking love that I've had to like listen to over and over again to like really get into. But this one took probably about three or four listens. Uh, we all watched it together on St. Patrick's Day after we were drinking on this podcast, this very podcast. We sure. then go went to go do that, we which did. was very strange because it's a very sad record. And we're all just hanging around. Uh, playing that little lot of speed video game. And it was there that I was like, oh, this is much better than I thought it was. And then just a couple more listens uh, and I got there. Uh, and then the final thing I would recommend is the Bouncing Souls. Uh, Crucial Moments EP. Uh, Bouncing Souls are fucking amazing. All right, Kelly, this is the end of the podcast. This is where we pick next week's song, which How is something I was wholly unprepared for. All right, Kelly, took off House of the Rising Sun. We will never, ever, ever talk about that song again. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> we are down, though. We've we've cracked into the 420s. We have 429 songs to go. Barely any left. Barely any. One out of 429. What are you guessing? 19. 19. 19! Sorry. Nice. Wait, nice callback. 19 in a different world would have been Million Miles off of 1997's Grammy Award winning album of the year, Time Out of Mind. got to say that every time, don't you? It's a good... I wouldn't if uh, Radiohead wasn't a loser. So, <laughs> No, the answer is actually 418. Oh, wow. I couldn't have <laughs> when, been almost really, 400 off. I really went in the wrong direction. <laughs> Ooh, I'm still scrolling. Okay, 418, we are going back to the basement tapes next week. Uh, so this is from the the OG basement tapes. The only basement tapes, that if you remember, if you're a longtime listener, that are on here are going to be stuff from the 75 release because the the big, uh, genuine bootleg, uh, the genuine basement tapes uh, we're going to cover in supplementals uh, whenever we get around to it. Stop bothering us. <laughs> but we're actually going to be doing Open the Door Homer. Take one, two, and three. So we'll listen to all three versions of that. So we'll talk about the basement tapes next week a little. We'll talk about the three versions. We'll talk about the band a bit. Our first uh, visit of the band since band month last year. Recommend you go back and listen to band month uh, from last October. It's fantastic. I already missed them. 
I don't know if you missed them. I'm good. <laughs> it's fair. All right. Well, we'll see you next week for Open the Door, Homer. Yeah, and if you can't wait till then, don't forget patreon.com slash pod and get a free, not free, and get a bonus episode every month. Every month. You got to pick up every see you later. Bye. <laughs> you got to pick up every